Welcome to the Iris Audio Technologies exclusive report on the role of audio in an increasingly digital world. Our business was built on the belief that the human connection with audio is a lost sense. As we move into a world that is ever more virtual, it has become apparent that the solutions we have to enable great conversations are lacking. Iris Clarity was born out of a genuine necessity. When the pandemic hit and everyone was forced to work from home, we spent hours on Zoom, Teams and meet calls. I'm sure we can all relate to that feeling of Zoom fatigue, suffering through the frustrating, can you hear me now dance? We realised our voice isolation software, stress tested in some of the harshest conditions including Formula One, could solve the problems everyone was facing. Broken communication, reduced productivity, declining well-being. As we've introduced Iris Clarity to the world, we've interrogated existing and potential customers, surveyed 500 call center agents in the UK and US, and explored findings from over 50 industry reports. From these, we've extracted many insights into the changing digital world, the uncontrollable environments it has introduced, and the ways people have adapted to working in it. This paper is particularly relevant for call and contact centers, which is one of the heaviest affected industries by the global shift to remote working. Other relevant industries are enterprise companies with hybrid teams, the emergence of telehealth and virtual appointments, and online learning, whether that is traditional college and university courses or more bite-sized lectures. All these interactions require flowing audio without distraction in order to reach the best possible outcomes, with all participants able to focus on what matters most, the conversation. We hope you find this report helpful and insightful with clear solutions on how audio can not only improve your results and KPIs, but also your customer experience and employee well-being. The Role of Audio in an Increasingly Digital World Read by Diana Giemann-Wallach New Normal, Old Audio A proprietary eponym, or generic trademark, is where a brand name is used so interchangeably with the product or service it provides that it becomes a noun or verb itself. Common examples include Hoover, Jacuzzi, and Aspirin. The behavioral shifts driven by the COVID-19 pandemic added a new example to this list, with Zoom ousting Skype as the standard term for jumping onto an online call or meeting. In fact, for the early lockdowns of the pandemic, Zoom became the generic trademark case study of our age. In January 2020, global Google searches for Zoom were at around 4 million. By April, as offices closed and we moved to a more remote working environment, searches increased by 3,675% to 151 million worldwide. Meanwhile, Searches for more general terms like video conferencing or online calls didn't even reach 1 million. Zoom had well and truly become the widespread word for an online meeting. What this shows is just how digital our world has become since the pandemic. Office meetings, education, healthcare, customer service, recruitment, auditions, even television shows still resort to online meeting tools like Zoom, despite the fact that government lockdowns and restrictions have long since eased in many countries. Whilst we've seen many advancements in the visual component of video calls, 
Many of us have received higher-resolution webcams from our companies or use the virtual background feature to disguise our working environments. The audio component has been somewhat left behind. In fact, a study on people's biggest challenges of online communication showed that poor audio quality ranked the highest among their frustrations. Throughout this report, we'll explore just how digital our lives have become, how effective these digital alternatives are, and how audio may be the key to unlocking further improvements. From Rooms to Zooms As restrictions globally clamped down, certain sectors adapted better than others to the new digital environment, whether by necessity or capability. While some roles will always require human contact, others have unlocked an important digital future. These changes have upended many industries. Four key areas of our lives that went almost entirely digital were contact centers, remote office working, telehealth, and online learning. Contact center agents learned to deal with customer issues from the comfort of their home. Employees worldwide swapped their offices for teleconferencing. Doctors began treating patients online whenever possible. And teachers and lecturers delved into a new world of teaching through a screen. Each of these sectors had mixed results in adapting. They faced different obstacles, which have influenced their continued adoption of virtual communication solutions in the new digital environment. Let's examine them in turn. Contact centers. The contact center industry was certainly one of the heaviest affected by the global shift to remote working. In early 2020, almost all contact center operations were hit with the perfect storm. First, they had to work out how to shift their operations to remote, turning a massive and typically old-fashioned sector upside down. Until then, working on site under strict control and supervision was an imperative for this almost $340 billion market at the time, with more than 15 million employed agents worldwide. In addition, call centers were dealing with historically high levels of queries due to pandemic-related disruptions. An average of 30% more claims were recorded across industries, with some sectors, such as retail, seeing queries increase by over seven times standard levels. The entire sector had to undergo an unplanned, forced, and instant transformation at a time when they had never been busier. Stephen Yap, research director at the CCMA, has said, There's been more change, arguably, in the last 18 months than there were in 18 years prior to the pandemic. The result of this transformation has been massive. 90% of call center agents globally were forced to work remotely during the pandemic, which for most companies damaged the customer experience. In terms of standard KPIs, average handle time increased from an average of 3 to 6 minutes to more than 10 minutes. Customer satisfaction score plunged, with 75% of consumers saying customer service worsened. And the number of touch points increased with 78% of customers complaining they had to contact companies multiple times for a single issue. A drop in quality isn't surprising considering many organizations and agents were ill-prepared for the shift. One contact center found that 22% of their agents were using ironing boards and windowsills as workstations due to the lack of a suitable desk. The centers themselves fared just as poorly, with security and supervision proving difficult in the early days. Two years on, the challenge remains. 
88% of customer experience experts believe customers have higher expectations than they did in previous years. Does this new standard allow for continued use of remote agents? Agents clearly think so. Trends indicate that customer service agents are enjoying the shift to remote and want to keep doing it. In fact, Gartner found that 70% of customer service agents wish to continue working from home long-term, and 81% of service leaders believe between 30 to 80% of their workforce will primarily be working from home two years from now. Our latest research already indicates progress in that direction. 20% of agents are able to work remotely full-time, up from 15% pre-pandemic, and 23% are still not allowed to work remotely at all, down from 39% pre-pandemic. This trend is no more obvious than in the Philippines, where 20% of the country's business process outsourcing staff are threatening to quit if forced back to their pre-pandemic work environments. Our research confirmed this. 20% of respondents who were forced to work from the office full-time felt it was unfair and were considering leaving their current roles as a result. Much like employees in other verticals, contact center agents have enjoyed the flexibility that remote working gives them, and organizations will need to find solutions to remote working obstacles such as security, equipment, and uncontrolled working environments, to name a few. Remote working. The most prominent shift the majority of people experienced during the COVID-19 pandemic was working from home rather than from an office. This change was unlike any work trend in history and is reported to have accelerated the transformation to digital by three to four years at least. Two years after the start of the pandemic, these trends still remain. At the time of writing, Adobe, Amazon, Apple, Deloitte, Disney, eBay, Google, Microsoft, Salesforce, and Twitter are just some examples of major organizations that have become either permanently hybrid or remote first. In fact, 55% of businesses globally now offer at least some capacity for remote work, a considerable jump from pre-COVID times when only 6% of full-time employed people worked primarily from home, and about three-quarters of workers had never worked from home. While these changes were initially driven by the requirement for social distancing, evidence suggests that they are here to stay. 87% of those who were able to work from home during the pandemic want to be able to continue to do so in some form going forward. People's eyes have opened to a new way of working, and more and more employees are demanding hybrid working from their employers, 52% of men and 60% of women. Common reasons for wanting to stay remote are increased flexibility, savings in time and money, and space to concentrate. Organizations are heeding these requests, with many offering at least some form of hybrid work. It's actually the most common addition to job descriptions in the midst of the great resignation we're currently experiencing. From an organization's perspective, remote working also offers multiple advantages. Cost saving is a big one, in particular savings in travel costs and office space rental. It's estimated that companies could save around $11,000 annually for each employee who works remotely half the time. The other big driver is a newfound access to a wider talent pool. Removing geographical barriers from recruitment searches provides access to a slew of qualified candidates, many of whom don't cost employers as much because they don't have the same living costs as those living in expensive urban centers. It's clear that whilst remote working was already on the rise pre-COVID, 
The pandemic has accelerated the trend, and it's here to stay. As a result, we've seen a huge increase in online meetings. It's now estimated that we average over 3.3 trillion Zoom meeting minutes annually, with the average person spending eight hours a week in online meetings. Gartner predicts that by 2024, only 25% of enterprise meetings will be in person. Internal meetings aren't the only ones that have been swept by this digital revolution. The recruitment industry has been completely altered, with 79% of companies now conducting employee interviews over video calls, compared to 22% pre-pandemic. More than half say this will be a permanent change. It's easy to see why these changes will stick. Recruitment processes average two to three interviews, with the average job offer only arriving after interviewing six to ten people. From the candidate's perspective, that could translate into several costly and time-consuming journeys for nothing. From the employer's side, making at least the first couple of rounds virtual could save time by avoiding delays and scheduling conflicts with meeting rooms, money, particularly if some employees are already remote and would need to commute in themselves, and potentially awkward situations with candidates crossing paths in between interviews. Another key and seldom talked about perk of remote working is you no longer need to find a physical room every time you want to have a meeting or interview. With office space scarce and expensive, many companies often lack enough dedicated rooms to handle the number of staff they have. The average number of meetings rose by 69.7% during COVID. Whilst a big portion of those are to compensate for the loss of physical conversations in the office, not having to worry about booking an in-demand room will have certainly contributed here. Louise Goss from Homeworker magazine was quoted as saying, We've had, I think, a chance to reflect, pause, reassess, reevaluate what's important to us and what we need and want out of our working lives. So I think that's given people an opportunity to really dig into what's important to them. And then also from a sort of a business point of view, people have gone, OK, well, what do we want moving forwards now? And what do we want to leave behind and what do we want to take forward? And is it sustainable? I, mean, I hope so. I think that's here to stay. That's even if it's a in a hybrid approach that a lot of um, businesses are now taking. Telehealth. When hospitals struggled to deal with the surge in COVID cases and GPs stopped all but the most critical appointments, the telehealth industry soared overnight. The sector rose to 38 times its pre-COVID levels, unlocking a quarter of a trillion dollar opportunity. The reasons for the initial move to online healthcare are obvious, but is it here to stay the same way remote working is? Early indications suggest a long-term trend, with 40% of patients anticipating to continue with it after the pandemic ends. This is further backed up by investments expected to reach $185.6 billion by 2026, temporary regulatory changes which facilitated healthcare being made permanent, and healthcare providers being more favorable to and comfortable using healthcare services. Why is this the case? The two biggest drivers seem to be convenience and safety. Logging into an online meeting room from the comfort of your own home and being able to do other things as you wait for your doctor is much more convenient than making your way to the surgery before having to sit in a waiting room for a long time. The proof is in the research. 23% of patients have delayed talking to a doctor simply because it takes too long. Meanwhile, 
Online appointments require 100 minutes less on average than an in-person appointment, which significantly reduces this obstacle. This convenience works both ways. Online healthcare solves the issue of space as well as time. Patients can be seen by experts in their field, regardless of where those experts are located. Where in the past, you'd be limited to the healthcare professionals in close proximity to you, telehealth allows you to be evaluated by any specialist from around the world. While this may be less of an issue with common ailments, rarer medical issues have fewer specialists, and therefore less geographical coverage. In addition to this, whether GP surgeries serve busy metropolitan areas or extremely sparse rural areas, in-person appointments can lead to long or difficult commutes. When you consider that those with mobility issues are often much more likely to need medical assistance, these issues are compounded, with many patients requiring community-based transport that runs to fixed schedules. From a health perspective, both doctors' waiting rooms and long commutes are undesirable if you're medically vulnerable. In fact, 41 to 42% of U.S. adults reported they delayed or avoided seeking in-person care during the pandemic because of concerns about COVID-19. This isn't a COVID-specific issue either. Medical waiting rooms were a contagious place long before the pandemic hit. Whilst there will always be a place for in-person appointments for those that don't have access to the correct technology, for issues that can't be accurately diagnosed over a call, or for people who simply prefer direct human contact, it's clear that telehealth has opened the door to a much more convenient form of healthcare. Online learning. 188 countries closed the doors to their schools during the early stages of the COVID-19 pandemic, with over 90% adopting online learning as the alternative. In most countries, only those whose parents were key workers were allowed to continue attending, leaving a peak number of almost 1.3 billion children reliant on online learning worldwide. A staggering statistic. This change was just as prevalent in higher education, where students' age meant that supervision was no longer a factor. With that, most institutions, 85% in Europe, stopped all in-person educational activities. This led to 220 million students globally having to switch to an online setting. The effectiveness of remote learning compared to online working and telehealth is considerably less optimistic, however. From both the students' and teachers' perspective, the outlook is consistently negative. With primary and secondary education, one report found that 98% of teachers believed their students to be behind after the 2019 school year had finished, with the average estimate being a full three months of education lost. It wasn't just the students who suffered. 86% of teachers believe that online working has increased their workload either somewhat or greatly. Higher education seems to have fared better with the new normal, especially amongst Erasmus students who had already adopted this way of working. According to a Times Higher Education study, 85% of institutions believe the transition was a success, 40% believe that online teaching is as good as on-site teaching, and only 19% believe there to be a drop in quality. Students themselves seem to be similarly mixed about online learning. Half reported that they were either satisfied or very satisfied with their academic experience. Of the 29% who reported being dissatisfied or very dissatisfied with their academic experience, two-thirds claimed this was because of the quality of learning and learning delivery. 
Understandably, the main sources of dissatisfaction for students were less about the impact COVID had on their learning delivery and more about the effect it had on their social lives, as well as the fact that they were still paying full price for what felt like a partial service. Despite mixed reactions and results, it seems remote learning is a trend that is likely to grow, though probably more as an edge case rather than a mainstream appeal. The advantages of online learning for higher education are quite clear. Greater access to a university education, a cheaper and more flexible living arrangement that doesn't require being on campus, reduced real estate costs for campus buildings, and less need for supervision as the students are now independent and self-motivated. The advantages for lower education institutions are a lot less obvious, however, and drawbacks have been far more damaging. One of the biggest concerns about continued remote learning in the younger generation is the expansion of a new digital divide, where students from more disadvantaged backgrounds get further held back by poor access to adequate internet speeds and tech devices. In addition, the level of supervision required, paired with the potential threat to developing important social skills, means that high uptake of remote learning at these lower ages will always be unlikely. Regardless, investment in digital learning is definitely on the rise, and educational institutions are keenly aware that they need to future-proof themselves against further potentially forced remote learning situations, another COVID strain, for example. In addition, it accommodates the need of people in special circumstances. The number of schools prioritizing investment in digital learning has risen from 24% pre-pandemic to 84% after COVID, with the global market estimated to grow from 11.5 billion in 2021 to 46.7 billion in 2026. Whilst there are still significant barriers to widespread online education, the sector clearly acknowledges the need and potential for it to grow. The Forgotten Half of the Online Experience The pandemic's acceleration of this shift from the physical to the digital has clearly come with many benefits. Hence, people's desire to maintain certain elements of remote work, even as governmental restrictions have been lifted. It also comes with many obstacles. The last few years have brought a world of innovation in the visual space, removing ever more barriers in our digital experience. Examples include AI virtual backgrounds to hide your messy house, crystal clear 8K resolution monitors, and webcams that auto-focus on the relevant speaker with a 60 frames per second frame rate. Audio, however, has been largely neglected. Developments in speakers and headphones are always happening, but this is where the innovation ends. Whilst the visual aspect to a conversation is undeniably important, with body language and visual prompts often conveying huge amounts of information, so is the audio, which affects engagement, productivity, and well-being in measurable ways. It's strange how little audio progress we've seen, particularly in the online communication tools that have underpinned our conversations for the last two years. So why is undisrupted audio important for online conversations? Customer experience. More than 50% of customers across all age groups prioritize a phone call over other channels when looking for customer service. This makes it the most popular method of customer service, even with the rise of digital channels, and is an obvious reason why audio is so key to customer experience. 
As it seems remote working is here to stay, even in the contact center industry, the issue of ambient noise takes a fresh form. Background noise is not a new obstacle in the industry. In fact, even pre-COVID, 64% of contact centers found background noise to be an issue. Our research further proved this with background noise around themselves and the customer being the biggest and second biggest obstacles for agents when working from the office, and the largest and third largest when working remotely. Stephen Yap of the CCMA said, I think what we're seeing is, is momentum growing this idea of improved accessibility yes. and an understanding that the traditional audio environment, which we've all become accustomed to actually, yeah, you know what, the average phone call is pretty noisy. This is a significant issue for contact centers, where KPIs are forensically measured and metrics such as customer satisfaction and time to resolution are easily affected by loud noises, whether these come from the customer's side or the agent's side. Every minute wasted by repetition, waiting for noise to die down and correcting misheard phrases is worth considerable money for call centers where margins are already tight. An astounding 85% of our surveyed agents said that background noise causes them to repeat themselves on customer calls. And audio-related issues like these are estimated to cost the industry up to £143 million a year. Meanwhile, from the customer's point of view, loud, annoying background noises severely affect their experience, especially when they're likely already aggravated with whatever issue they're trying to fix. If it's a sales call particularly an unsolicited one, even the slightest annoyance can lead a prospect to end the call early. The agents agree. 89% of the call center workers we surveyed say poor sound quality or background noise impacts the quality of calls, ability to communicate, and time to resolution. 84% believe noise and distractions have a negative effect on customer service and prevent them from achieving positive outcomes. In a nutshell, Solving the problem of poor audio could save contact centers both time and money by increasing productivity and driving real business results. Sadie Resterick, COO of Wellity, was quoted to say, You look at some of the more common emotions that people experience in any industry, it is frustration that they're getting really easily irritated. So if they are looking to you know, convert or qualify a lead or they're having these conversations and they need them to be really, really rich, essentially, then those slight audio issues, those noises, those distractions, those interruptions, it, it will heighten their frustration levels and it, it will be very, very obvious in their tone of voice and the other person will pick up on that very, very quickly and that it will contribute towards some tiring, losing their motivation, losing their morale. A lot of research has been conducted around online meetings and learning after the pandemic, whether it's based on the productivity of online meetings and calls or retention from online lessons. The key question is, do we absorb information and convey it back as well online as we do in person? The research shows that audio plays a huge part in answering this. One study of 2,800 U.S. workers showed that audio problems were the biggest pain point of virtual meetings, with over 50% saying it had affected them in some way. This is backed up by another study, which asked respondents what their biggest video conferencing struggles were. Background distractions from other participants and audio quality were the second and fourth biggest issues, respectively, ranked above video quality and affecting around 60% of respondents. This isn't just the case for the corporate world, either. The education sector also struggles with the issue of poor audio. 
A recent University of London study investigated the impact of noise on adolescents during the pandemic and found that higher levels of background noise resulted in increased annoyance in students that negatively affected their performance in tasks. This threatens to have long-term effects on students' executive function and particularly hindered the learning of students in larger, noisier households. The telehealth industry reports similar findings. The main obstacle keeping people from adopting telehealth is ensuring the quality of the conversation is good enough to deliver the appropriate amount of care. If you consider that a misheard symptom or diagnosis could have grave consequences on someone's health, it's not surprising that high-quality audio is deemed critical to both doctors and patients looking to continue with their online care. The common thread in these studies around productivity in digital meetings, customer calls, lessons, and appointments is the critical need for high-quality, flowing conversations without interruptions. 71% of Zoom users told somebody they were on mute in 2021, and 59% stated that clear communication is what makes an online meeting engaging. The first of these stats suggests organizations have a long way to go in order to achieve the second. As long as background noise continues to be a problem, people will need to continue to mute, tell others to mute, miss important information, and ultimately fall short of peak performance. Well-being. Multiple studies have proven that bad audio can be detrimental to your health, whether it be the damage caused by loud or unexpected noises, or the stress caused by struggling to hear interrupted sound. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency advises that average exposure to noise should not exceed 70 decibels in order to prevent hearing loss. Yet, a whole range of office, call center, school, home, and GP-based noises often exceed these levels, such as barking dogs, ringing phones, washing machines, kettles, and even general ambient office noise. Background noise in your online communications, whether they be lessons, meetings, or appointments, can disrupt your well-being. In fact, a 2011 study found that households in ambient noise-heavy areas such as flight paths and traffic were considerably more likely to take medication used to treat hypertension. A study by Remark Group found that 57% of UK office workers consider noise to negatively impact their workplace well-being. Telephone conversations, personal conversations, and sudden laughter were the biggest culprits. With 61% of workers interrupted at least five times a day by noise, and respondents noting it took them on average 11 minutes to regain their focus, it's easy to see how stress levels can build up if you're falling behind on your work. The call center industry has a particularly unhealthy relationship with background noise and staff well-being. In an environment where noise is constant on both sides of a call, whether it's in a crowded call center, in an uncontrollable remote working environment, or wherever the customer is calling in from, it's evident that poor audio is a source of stress and annoyance for customer service agents with tight deadlines and aggressive targets. In fact, 74% of call center agents are at risk of burnout, and the call center industry has the highest turnover rate of all, at 30-45%. to Our research suggests background noise plays an important part in this. 69% of agents claim noise had a negative impact on their well-being. Sadie Resterick, COO of Wellity, said, 
from an individual perspective and a professional perspective and I'm delivering and I've got a large audience who are listening keenly to me, I'd like to think, but I can hear other things and I'm, I'm concerned and distracted and that, is that something that they can hear and is that affecting the quality of my message? So it, it does have an impact on, on my energy and my well-being because I'm becoming preoccupied with what's happening around me and the impact of that noise. Professionalism and bias. Another consequence of poor audio is the way it reflects on your image when speaking to others. Where offices and schools are somewhat of an equalizer, everybody shares the same rooms, remote working and learning can unwittingly create bias. In a perfect world, we could all appear in the best light when talking to colleagues, clients, or teachers, be it from a dedicated workspace on camera or in a controlled sound environment. Unfortunately, not everyone enjoys these luxuries, and your background, visual and audio, is often highlighted by etiquette consultants as a large factor of professionalism. Meanwhile, diversity and inclusion consultants are worried that work environments shown through video calls could lead to conscious and unconscious bias. A real-life example of this in action was when actor Lucas Gage had his apartment criticized when auditioning for a role during lockdown, a completely separate factor to his acting ability. With online meetings, clients and colleagues could think less of your abilities and your self-confidence could take a hit. With remote learning, it can intensify the digital divide between those who have access to more advanced technology and those who don't. Ultimately, it affects business outcomes and productivity. Simon Scott Nelson, co-founder and CEO of Wellity, said, Whilst we've been okay and sympathetic, you know, oh, the Amazon, well, you have got an app where you know what time they're delivering it. You could have, so I think we're going to become a, a little less, un, um, more unsympathetic and more professional. Audio, the key to unlocking the digital revolution. The plethora of research on this subject shows a clear conclusion. Almost all aspects of our lives will be considerably more digital going forward. Whether it's through choice or necessity, digital is here to stay. The main casualty of digital conversations, as opposed to in-person interactions, is that live, organic dimension, and the audio pays the price for it. How many online conversations have we had with the insufferable, can you go on mute, you're on mute, or can you hear me now? How many times have we stressed about finding the mute button as the person behind us made an unexpected noise? Whilst our first reaction to this issue might be to brush it off as a minor inconvenience, the research shows that these interruptions have a massive impact on our ability to communicate effectively, which in turn hinders our ability to both take in information and convey it. This can lead to lower productivity, more mistakes, lost income, and even damage to our mental well-being. The digital revolution we've witnessed driven by national lockdowns was almost a V1 of our new reality. It was clunky, had a lot of bugs and issues, but just about got by and opened people's eyes to the idea of online conversations. As the pandemic continued, we saw improvements, a V2 digital environment, but these all centered around the visual medium. The final element to truly unlocking the power of digital for remote working, online learning, and telehealth is audio-based. This is clear from all the pain points and obstacles we're witnessing across these industries and beyond. We believe this V3 of the digital revolution will involve significant improvements to the audio components of online conversations. At the forefront of this will be voice isolation tools such as our own, Iris Clarity. 
These tools use AI in order to remove background noise like barking dogs, noisy colleagues, busy traffic, other students, and everything else from both sides of an online call. This preserves the flow of the conversation and improves focus, engagement, and well-being for all. Much like AI-driven virtual backgrounds, we believe voice isolation will allow video conferencing attendees to take control of their environment in order to deliver the best possible outcomes from every conversation.